0: So we uh, are in week 9 of our series, hashtag I forgive, hashtag I forgive and um, I hope all of you were able to pay attention, listen to the message uh, that was recorded on audio last week because um, we did a little bit on introducing, you know, the whole concept of forgiveness. Um, last week and this week and even next week, uh, I would say are two crucial, important messages because it gives us an understanding of how to go about the whole process of forgiving somebody. Because many times, um, especially, you know, in all of my experience in counseling and uh, talking to people, many times what I've come across is people think they have forgiven somebody when the truth is there is the forgiveness process has really not taken place in the inside of their lives, inside of their hearts. Okay. So in case you missed last week's message, the message is still there on the group. Okay. By God's grace, we've been able also able to start a podcast. So everything, you know, whatever we recorded so far has been put up on those podcasts. So you can go back, listen to any of those messages that you want to at any given point of time. Okay. So, um, last week one of the things that we looked at is you know the title of last week's message was you know what i choose to do and like the whole series title hashtag i forgive what i mentioned was it's up to us to decide whether we want to forgive somebody or not and when someone we saw this last week when someone chooses not to forgive all right it's like they're holding on to a debt that the other person who has wronged them in some way has to give to them now simple example you know we saw this last week um, is when when let's say somebody owes you money and uh, you know uh, so you know inside of your heart you know inside of your mind that till that person gives you what that person owes you you're always in the back of your mind it's always going to be running in your mind that hey that person so and so has to give me this much amount of money have you ever been in a situation where someone owes you money you haven't seen that person for quite some time okay especially now since the covid situation is going on i'm sure you know (laughs) you're not able to see some of those people at all okay but when you see that person or when you see that person's okay maybe you're not seeing that person physically but when you see that person on whatsapp what's the first thing that comes into your mind The first thing that comes into your mind is, hey, that person owes me certain amount of money. The same is true when it comes to holding an offense. When when someone has offended us, when someone has done something wrong, they have said something, you know, that is very hurtful. We feel that, that that person owes us something. And in fact, if you remember last week, we looked at the story, the parable of the unforgiving servant. You know, what was the unforgiving servant telling about his fellow servant? He was saying, this person owes me this amount of money and till that person gives me what that person owes me, I'm going to put him in prison. Isn't that true? okay the truth is now here's what i want us to understand you know about this whole uh, concept of forgiveness or the whole concept of holding on to an offense is that when we hold on when we choose to hold on to the offense when we choose to hold on to the hurt or the wrong that that person has done to us the truth is that we are holding on to unfulfilled revenge now um, i'll explain that in a moment you know what i meant by that but if you think about our court system a court system literally exists in any any part of the world, not just in our country, in India, but in any part of the world. If you look at why the court system exists, they basically exist to avenge the wronged or the injured parties. In other words, you know, here's what the, here's what the, our human courts are telling us. When a person has been hurt by one another, human justice says they will stand trial for what they have done and pay for what they have done if they are found guilty. Isn't that what our court says? In other words, you know, here's what they're saying. If you have been wronged by somebody, we're going to try them in the court of the law. And if they are found guilty, they will have to pay a compensation or pay a penalty for the wrongs that they have committed. Now, um it's easy to you know it's easy to think that okay uh that yeah you know i i deserve justice i was wronged you know this person did so and so to me this person said so such and such a thing about me okay in the court of law it's important you know and we cry out for justice we say that i deserve the justice you know for the wrongs that they have done to me but church i want us to listen to this that whole concept of seeking after justice i'm not saying it's a wrong thing okay especially when um, you know when you think about um, when someone has offended you in some way by the actions that they have done to you or by the words that they have spoken to you when god looks at it when we seek after them and when we say that you know they have to pay for what they have done to me that is not the way that god actually looks at us and that is not the way If you are a Christ follower, God doesn't expect you to respond in that way. Um, This is what, uh, you know, Paul writes to the Roman church. uh, The book of Romans chapter 12 verse 19. Romans chapter 12 verse 19. This is what he writes. He writes, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. You remember Avengers? Okay, Uh, you know, Avengers is a great movie. I'm a big fan of the Avengers movie. Okay, I've seen every one of them, but... God doesn't expect you to avenge, you know, for the wrongs that has been done to you. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, is what Paul writes to the Roman church. But rather, give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, here's what we must understand. God does not expect, Romans twelve nineteen is that uh, verse, okay? God does not expect us to avenge ourselves. Okay, so the whole concept of the movie Avengers all right, going behind making the people who have done wrong to you pay for what they have done to you that concept is not something God expects us to follow. And but many times, you know, human instinct, okay, human nature. You know, when someone has done something wrong to us, our nature or the thing that, you know, really builds up on the inside of us. Our desire is to basically seek out, to plan out and somehow carry out a form of revenge or a form of avenging that, you know, the person who has done this wrong to us must pay, you know, a price for what they have done to us now here's what we must understand every time our mind works that way every time we think that you know they need to pay something for the wrong that they have committed towards me we are actually setting ourselves to be the judge okay this is what James writes to the church James chapter 4 verse 12 and James chapter 5 verse 9 I've clubbed two verses there it says this is what James says there is only one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy Who are you to judge another? Do not grumble against one another, brothers, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. That's James chapter 4 verse 12 and James chapter 5 verse 9. What is he saying? God is the judge. God is watching. He is the one who will pass a righteous judgment and he will repay according to righteousness. Now here's here's something you know that maybe we don't we don't accept or maybe you know it's very difficult for us to really buy into if the person who has wronged you in any way, they hurt you by words that they have spoken or they have done some wrongful actions towards you, if they genuinely repent before the Lord God and they you know ask for forgiveness from the Lord, do you know that God will actually forgive them? It's very difficult for us to accept that you know sometimes that god will actually forgive them for the wrongs that they have done to me but the truth is that you know the work i mean we'll see that you know this whole week you'll see it everywhere the work on the cross that jesus did was to clear off the sins that every person had actually done towards us but we demand justice don't we we always look for justice. when something wrong has happened, we are the quickly we, we just want to you know this is nature in us that wants to jump start and go out and say that you know I have been wronged, I demand justice, I deserve justice. Now I want you to think about um, you know uh, apart from the coronavirus situation that has been all over the news every single day, very recently a couple of maybe not a couple of weeks or maybe two or three weeks ago, this was also highlighted in the news. Do you know what incident that was? It was the Nirbaya case. Do you remember that? Okay, the convicts who were convicted um, after how many years? Seven years, right? They were sentenced to death and they were hanged, okay? And I don't know if you noticed, you know, um, the news reports that came in after, you know, the, con- the accused were hanged. All right, But one of the news reports that really caught my attention was how the father of the girl had responded. The father of the girl, you know, responds. He makes a statement in the news. He says, you know, that both him and his wife could not sleep. Okay, could not sleep properly for months because they were awaiting justice. Now, I'm not trying to minimize the incident that took place i'm not trying to say that you know they were wrong i'm not saying any of those things but i want you to notice what happened to the parents they were hurt and they were grieving on the inside for the incident that took place with their daughter and any parent would i completely understand maybe not to that full extent but i do understand you know the pain that they might have been going through but they could not sleep properly for months together they were looking for the justice that they thought they deserved now you know I remember this you know a couple couple of um, months ago probably maybe one or two years ago uh, there was a girl you know that uh, was attending our church here in Mangalore And, um, you know, we were talking to her and uh, she she had a very bad relationship with her father and uh, talking, you know, right through the whole process. You know, she was able to remember a lot of childhood incidents which had taken place and um, she she just couldn't come to a place where, um, you know, that relationship was just not moving forward with her father. And, uh, you know, right through the whole course, uh, me and my wife, Anu, you know, we sat down, we explained to her that, you know, it's important that you forgive, you know, what your father and it's important that, you know, you learn to forgive and move forward. And uh, one of the things, you know, that she mentioned very straightforward was, but Danny, I've already forgiven my dad for everything that he has said or everything that he has done. And, but somehow, you know, when you're talking to her I and mean, when the whole body language of her could very, you could very easily make out the fact that, you know, that she had not completely forgiven her father for all of the incidents that had happened previously. And I I, I mean, immediately I told her very clearly, you say that you have forgiven, but you haven't really forgiven him. And, she's, and she looks at me and she says, Danny, I've forgiven him. I've prayed for him. What more do you want me to do? And then I asked her very specifically, okay, can you explain to me very specifically what has happened? You know, that there is still this something that seems to be holding you back. And then it came out, you know, after a couple of sentences, it actually began to come out. And one of the things that she brought out was, you know, right from her childhood till that date, her father had always been very critical about her very critical, very judgmental and he has always told right from her growing up years, one of the statements that he constantly used to make about her was, you will never become successful in anything in your life and she was studying for an MBBS degree here and uh, before she could join the college, before she could even start the course, her father looked at her and told her, there's no point in you taking up this MBBS degree, you know, you will never become a successful doctor. And this, you know, this girl, I mean, she was a fighter. She was a girl, you know, who was like ready to kind of prove, you know, her father that what he said was completely wrong. So she, she, and you know, all of her exams, you know, everything that she wrote, she ended up becoming, you know, she started getting really good scores, you know, really good scores like, and, but no matter what happened, she could never be at peace with what was going on with her father. And then it dawned on me. And then I told her this. You know, you're trying to prove something to your father, aren't you? And she said, no, I don't think I'm really trying to prove anything to my father. Why do you say that? And and I told her very clearly, you're trying to prove to your father that you're not a loser, but that you can actually become successful in your course. You can actually become successful in your course. And, you know, it took her some time to accept it. But then, you know, then that's when I finally told her this. You're waiting for your father to come to you and tell you that he made a mistake, that he was wrong and that you were right. And then it dawned on her. And you should have seen, you know, as soon as she heard this and, you know, after a while when she, she began to realize that, you know, what the statement that was made was completely true. The statement that was made was completely true and she broke down and she began to cry. And finally, you know, she came to a place where she could completely forgive her father, you know, for that particular thing. But here's what I want us to understand from that one incident. What was she looking for? She was looking for compensation. She was looking... For her right to a claim, when she said that, you know, when her father made a statement like that, she wanted her father to come back and tell her that he was made a mistake, that he was sorry for the mistake that he made, and she could not find peace with herself because of this particular incident. What am I trying to say? Many of us, you know, we don't realize this. We think, you know, when we think of revenge, immediately our mind runs off to a movie situation where someone kills somebody of you and then you have to go and kill that person back. And that's not what I'm talking about. And this is how somehow, you know, when and I've, I've noticed this, you know, many times we don't realize this, but the enemy has actually deceived us, you know, into thinking that, you know, we have forgiven the person. We have let the person go. Everything is fine. But inside of inside, we're still longing for, we're still looking for, you know, an apology. We're still looking for that person to come back and pay a price or make a compensation for the wrongs that that person had actually committed. I'll get into that a little more, little later. But here's what I want us to think about. What do you think Jesus did? You know, this coming Good Friday, this coming Easter, the whole, you know, the concept of the resurrection and everything that, you know, that we're going to be looking at this coming week. Here's what I want us to understand about Jesus. If Jesus had waited for us to come to Him and apologize saying that we were wrong and that God was right, do you think, you know, He could have forgiven us from the cross? Here's what I want us to understand. Jesus did not wait for us to come to Him and say that we were sorry for what we did. But He took the first step. He took the first step. And you know, in fact, if you remember the prayer that He made, okay, you read that in Luke chapter 23 verse 34. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. He paid the first price. He said, I'm going to do the first thing that needs to be done okay and god sent his son his only son to die on the cross for our sins so that now if you accept him as your personal savior and if you believe and if you confess and you you know forgive ask for forgiveness he's going to forgive but who took the first step i want us to remember this jesus took the first step he didn't wait you know for okay let everyone say that they're sorry and then i'll think of you know an atonement and then i'll think of you know the whole forgiveness part of it no 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 he said you know you're forgiven all you have to do is accept, you know, the fact that I've already forgiven you. But we don't, we, sometimes, you know, for us, it is a difficult concept to this. I don't know if any one of you have heard this. Some people, you know, when you say that, you know, you need to forgive that person, you know what they say? Let them come and tell me sorry first. Then I'll think of forgiving them. There are people who say that. There are people who think that, you know, um, they need to come and tell me sorry. I didn't do anything wrong. They are the ones who committed something. They're just the, okay. From my part, I have forgiven. They'll tell you, but you can see in their body language, you can see in their actions, you can see in the way they speak the words that they're still holding on to that grudge. They're still holding on to that form of unforgiveness. Now, here's what you know. That here's something that I want us to look at. Um, Jesus often, you know, when you read through God's word, one of the things that Jesus compares our hearts is to that of soil, and We all know this to be true. Only what is planted in the soil will grow. Am I right? If you don't plant something in the soil, that will not grow. For example, if you are planting apple seeds, what are you going to get back? You're going to get an apple fruit. And you're not going to get just one fruit. You're going to get multiple number of fruits. Alright? And the truth is, you know, here's what I want us to understand about forgiveness and unforgiveness or bitterness, you know. When we plant unforgiveness... When we plant offense and when we plant seeds of, you know, what the debt or we, we plant, you know, things when we feel that, you know, we need to be compensated or I deserve justice, you know, for the wrong that I have gone through. What will grow in our hearts is what is written in the in the word of God as the root of bitterness. Root of bitterness. Okay, now, bitterness, okay, one man of God puts it this way, and I like the way that he puts it. Bitterness literally is called unfulfilled revenge. You see, you know, the Hebrews writer makes a statement here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 to 15. Here's what he says. You peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, looking carefully at what? Lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. What is is the Hebrew writer writing to the Hebrew church? What's he saying? He's saying, be careful that you make sure a root of bitterness does not grow inside of your heart. Now, um, if you're a botanist or if you are in the habit of gardening, if you ever planted some plants, you know this to be true. When is it the most easiest to uproot a plant? Is it in the beginning stages when the roots are just developing? Or is it in the much later stages when the roots have grown deep into that soil? It's very obvious, isn't it? It's easy to uproot a plant when it's in the beginning stages when the roots have not really gone in deeper. And that is why, church, we must understand it is very important to forgive somebody and release that person right at the beginning and not much, much later the more we allow that offense, the more we allow the hurt to remain inside of our hearts, what the Bible calls, you know, the root of bitterness, it grows deeper and it goes deeper and it goes deeper. And like earlier, you know, what we saw, what did we see? You know, that what we plant is the fruit of what we will get. What you plant is ultimately the fruit that you will get. Okay, do you know what's the fruits that you will receive if you leave and if you allow a root of bitterness to grow inside of your heart? You know, what's the fruits that you can see? I've written it down, okay? Anything I write down is good, okay? The fruits that you can see, one is anger, okay? You will see resentment, you will see jealousy, you will see hatred, you will see strife. Strife is basically conflict. You will find yourself constantly at conflict with people all around you. It's very difficult, you know, for you to build up a strong, deep relationship with people. Because there's always something that is blocking you. There's always something that's conflicting you with those people. There is a discord that takes place. Now, let me tell you this, alright? This is something that I've learned, you know, over the years of experience of counseling people. Have you ever met someone who's a short-tempered person? I'm sure some of us have come across people like that. Can I tell you why people are so short-tempered? okay you, you can actually um, experiment it you can try it out okay you can actually go deep into people you know who are really short-tempered the people who are short-tempered i promise you this okay they are so short-tempered because there's a lot of bitterness on the inside of their hearts in fact you know they have allowed the root of bitterness to grow in so deep that so people you know for one small thing is enough for them to get really angry because they're holding on to a lot of unforgiveness that has taken place right, you know, right from their childhood, probably, you know, growing up years, teens, you know, college and probably into marriage, whatever. But there's a lot of bitterness that's on the inside. So that's why, you know, I've seen this and I've, you know, seen this with a lot of people who are short tempered people are short-tempered you know when you go deep and you start asking questions about you know what's happened in the past they will and you will find a lot of unforgiveness incidents that has taken place in that person's life now what i want us to look today okay is a very very specific story all right and um, if you remember week three okay week week three was titled the love-hate relationship i don't know how many of you remember that some of you heard it some of you didn't i understand that but one of the things that we looked at was the relationship between David and his father, King David and his father. Who was David's father that we looked at? Anyone remembers? Okay, it was his king, it was his master, King Saul. Okay, David looked up to King Saul as his own father. And we saw that, you know, David was not a man who held on to unforgiveness, but because we saw in how he treated Saul. We saw how he treated, you know, Saul's family relations even after Saul had died. You know, David did not hold on to any bitterness, even though he had ample number of reasons to hold on to that unforgiveness and bitterness towards Saul. But he didn't do it because in the way and we saw it, it was very evident in the fruit of what he was doing with all of his family relations. But here's what I I want us to look at today. Saul died, David ascended to the throne. Okay. And if you read right through this whole story, lifeline of David, David strengthened the entire nation of Israel. He had a lot of military and financial success. Okay. He was holding on. He was in fact, one of the strongest kings that Israel had ever seen right throughout. I mean, even after David's time. Okay. But one of the things that he did was he married many wives and who bore him so many children. The oldest son, you know, was called Amnon. Okay, from his first wife, that was his first son, his firstborn son, and he had a firstborn son, you know, from um, from his another one of his wives, and that person's name was Absalom. I mean, you if you've read through the story of David, you know, and his children, you know this to be true. Amnon was his oldest son, Absalom, you know, was his third born son. Now, the thing about Absalom, Absalom had a sister. His sister was good looking, okay. Uh, young people might call her chick i don't know what you want to call her but she she was one of those good looking babes or girls or whatever you want to call it okay i'm just using language that we use today all right is that okay that's fine no don't don't say that oh how can you use that kind of language in the church okay but she was good looking she was this and in fact when you read through the story you read that you know amnon had fallen crazily in love with his half-sister you see the whole story played out in the book of Second Samuel chapter 13, but I'm not going to go deep into that story because I just want us to... And this is a great time, you know. Uh, if you're finding time that's completely boring, you're, there's so much of ample of time that you don't know what to do. My challenge to you is take the Bible, start reading, you know, the Bible right from the beginning till the end. In fact, the challenge is, can you actually finish reading the whole Bible in the next one two i don't know how many more days are there for the lockdown to get over can you actually finish reading the whole bible in that whole period you can trust me when i say you can i've done you know in my three weeks i'm not doing it now okay but i've done it when i was in college when i had my study vacations okay but i'm just saying you know go back to the story you can read the whole story being played out but let me just give you a gist of what really happened some of you already know what's this thing david's son amnon compared committed you know what's called as a wicked offense towards his half-sister tamar he sends for her sister okay the king orders to go orders her to go and meet amnon amnon pretends that he was sick he was lying in bed tamar prepares some food and she takes it to him and then you know the gravest of the gravest incidents happen amnon sends out all of his servants from that particular room he rapes tamar okay in that whole uh, process And as soon as the whole incident of rape is over, he pushes her out of the room, he removes her from his sight, okay, and he completely disgraces her in that whole process. Now, without saying a word, Absalom steps into the picture because it was Absalom's sister. Absalom brings his sister to the house. He provides for her. But here's one thing that the Bible very specifically records. He hated Amnon for defiling Tamar. And one of the things, you know, that strongly that was there in Absalom's heart, being the son of David, okay, and Amnon was also the son of David. He was expecting his father, King David, to do something to Amnon as a term of punishment because of what he had done to his sister Tamar. And of course, if you read through the whole story, King David doesn't do anything. King David doesn't take any course of action and Absalom, okay, if you read right through the whole story, Absalom was devastated by his father's lack of justice. Tamar, you know, she was wearing, she was a princess. I mean, she was also the daughter of David. She removes, you know, all of those royal robes that she was wearing. Now she was wearing a robe robe of shame. She was wearing sackcloth and ashes. And I mean, you know, the whole process, you know, when you look at what she was living and and. She she, she became, a, you know, she was, in fact, if you read through the story, it says that she was living in seclusion. Now, can I ask you this question? Was it unfair of what happened to Tamar? It was unfair. Because Tamar went into Amnon's room simply because the king had told her to go. And when she went in there, she experienced the most horrible incidents that could ever happen to a girl. Her life was over when it looked like the man who did it to her was living as if nothing had happened. I don't know if anyone of us can understand, you know, the, the, the place where Tamar is. I know some of us have understood that point. Some of us have been there also. I understand that. But Tamar was going through that whole thing. And there was a man, Absalom, her brother, who was standing right by the sidelines and looking at, you know, the grief that his sister was carrying. And nothing was going on. Amnon was walking free. Amnon was doing what he continued to do. Nothing in his own father never took any course of action, you know, to protect Tamar or to take care of Tamar. Nothing. Absalom was boiling with anger on the inside. Now, when you go further through the story, okay, Absalom actually waited for one year, but David did nothing. Absalom was offended by his father. I want us to understand, Absalom was offended by David. He hated his brother Amnon, okay, and almost two years took past, you know, right after this whole incident. And I'm thinking, you know, right through this whole two years, Absalom is holding on to this offense right throughout the whole time. Now, Absalom was a very good-looking person. In fact, you know, they say that he would have been an ideal next king. But this offense, you know, that he had towards his brother Amnon was so strong and he was, you know, boiling with rage. And it came to pass after almost two years. And, you know, he threw a feast, you know, for all the king's son. Amnon was specifically invited, you know, to come for this feast. Amnon did not suspect, you know, that anything is going to happen. And in that whole feast, what had happened? If you read through the story, Absalom came into a position where he actually killed Amnon for what he had done to his sister. But now, if you look at it, Do you think Absalom would have thought to himself, now justice is served? Now we need to understand, Absalom was not just offended by Amnon, he was also offended by his own father David. He was offended at Amnon for the rape that he committed towards his sister. He was offended by his father David. Why? Because David did not do anything as a father should have truly done to have a course of action. But it's been two years now. I want us to understand this. Absalom's thoughts were poisoned with bitterness. You know, we just read in the book of Hebrews, what happens if you hold on to offend for too long, a root of bitterness starts growing in deeper and deeper and deeper. And what's the fruit that comes out? Anger, resentment, hatred. And I'm telling you, when you read, you know, right through Absalom's story, you can read, you know, many of these emotions that are being displayed in Absalom. And I'm thinking, I've, again, you know, you know me, I like to imagine, you know, what Absalom is going through. So I've written down what Absalom might have felt, okay? Here's what I'm thinking, okay? This is what probably Absalom was thinking to himself. You know, everybody, all of the people, all of the subjects, Israel people, all of them are looking as my father as some great king, okay? Only I know what my father is like. He's a self-seeking man, okay? And anything and everything he uses God as the banner, he says, oh, God is this? God is that? He God is just a mask that he's wearing to cover up his own, you know, self self centeredness." In fact, you know, I think um, when I look back at my own father's life, he committed adultery with the wife of one of his most loyal men. Then he covered his sin by killing the man who was loyal to him. He is a murderer and an adulterer, and I'm sure that's the reason why he did not punish Amnon. Amnon has done the same thing. Why would he punish Amnon? And all of this. He says he's a big worshipper. Have you even read the Psalms? He's written such a lot of great worship songs. Oh, what worship he. I know what my father is like. And I'm thinking maybe this is what is running to Absalom's mind because he's so burdened and he's so not just not burdened, he's so poisoned, you know, by the bitterness that he's carrying for the fact that, you know, David did not do anything towards Amnon when he should have punished him for what he did. He didn't do anything. Absalom you know if you read through the further story Absalom stays in a place called Jeshur. okay he stays in that place for three years and David here's what you should look at you know after Amnon had been killed okay David was really grieving and David had been comforted over the death of his son Amnon okay and um, Absalom ran away to Jeshur. he was hiding in Jeshur. but David none, you know in this whole three year period he had never called Absalom to come back to meet him face to face. Two more years went by and finally, you know, David returns Absalom to favor and grants him, you know, all the privileges again. So how many years has it been? Three plus two. Five years. Okay. Another two years where, you know, nothing had happened and he took two years to kill. So how many period of years is that? It's like almost five plus two. It's almost seven years. I want us to understand Absalom is carrying this offense of what David did not do. As a compensation inside of his heart. Now, here's you know the surprising thing about Absalom. Okay, and before, in fact, before he murdered Amnon, okay, 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 2, written like this: Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon. You know, one of the things that I've noticed about people who are carrying offenses inside of their hearts, it's very easy for them to cover up the fact that you know. And pretend like there's nothing wrong with that person you know when when someone i mean this is why i wish you know i was with with you all okay okay i'm sorry i'm sharing my screen there okay i mean okay i can see robin's face now let's say robin is offended with me okay robin you're the example for today is that okay okay show me a thumbs up yeah there's no thumbs up, okay, fine, thumbs up, yeah. No problem, no problem. Yeah, fine. So, let's say Robin is offended at me, okay? And let's say, like, you know, now, I known Robin only for, like, a month now, but let's say Robin knew me, you know, um, when I was uh, probably a big, big senior in his school or whatever, you know, right from his childhood days, and I pushed him off the bus or something, I don't know, we had the same school bus, and I pushed him off the school bus, and he remembers that incident, let's say, and now we meet each other, you know, in Manipal okay let's say he's been carrying this offense you know for so many years and you know one of the i mean do you think robin is going to come and say you're that senior who pushed me off the bus he's probably not going to say that robin's a nice guy i'm just saying okay but but i'm just saying you know normally you know what people do people will come and say you know and especially you know let's let, okay let's let me flip the story let me not get robin to uh this thing okay let me say i'm offended with robin okay for something that he did towards me i didn't like the way that he spoke to me i just didn't like it okay i'm holding on to in- inside of me now when i meet robin i'm not going to tell robin hey robin how you know you did this that day i'm really offended i'm really hurt you know what i'm going to tell robin hey robin you look good man i like the long hair okay in fact you know man how are things man i hope things are good with you i hope everything is fine with you you know what you know what's going to happen I'm going to pretend like there's nothing wrong between me and Robin. I'm going to, you know, act like everything is okay. I'm going to act like, you know, all the things are fine and that's exactly, I want us to understand the story here. Absalom is doing exactly that same thing. Absalom is pretending, you know, this is what it says, 2 Samuel chapter 13 verse 22. Absalom spoke to his brother, neither good nor bad. He pretended like everything is okay. You know, I don't, I'm not, I don't hate you, you know, you're absolutely fine. You know, they just pretending, you know, like everything is okay. And many people, you know, when they're offended, they pretend like everything is okay. They don't even bring it out, they don't even, you know, show the fact that, you know, they've been offended or they've been hurt by that particular person. Absalom, you know, starts building up. Okay, Absalom starts building up. He began to draw to himself people who seemed to be unhappy with David. He made himself available to all Israel. Okay, I mean, some of you know the story of Absalom. Okay, and he keeps telling the people again and again, oh, if I were the king, I would not have allowed this to happen to you. He judged their cases for them. Normally, you know, David was the one who was supposed to do it, but for some reason, David was not doing it and Absalom was judging their cases and he was telling the people constantly again and he was trying to win the favor of the people that was there. He seemed to be concerned. Absalom seems to be concerned for the people. And slowly but surely, Absalom began to steal the hearts of the people towards himself. And finally, it came to a place, you know, in the story where Absalom rises up against King David. And King David had to run away for his life from his son, his own son Absalom. And it looked like Absalom was going to be the next king. But again, if you read further to the story, I don't want to get into the story. It's a great story to read. You should go back and read it. Absalom was killed in the process as he was trying to pursue David. Now here's what I want us to understand about Absalom okay Now did Absalom commit any great sin? he didn't commit adultery, he didn't commit any um, he didn't he I mean you name it he was not a homosexual I mean he there was no major sin and in fact, You know, Absalom was a man with great potential. Absalom was a man, you know, who carried such a great, probably a great anointing. Probably, you know, that's why he said he was a very good looking man. That's what the Bible says. He could have easily become the next king, you know, of Israel. But what happened? The thing that he held into his heart was the offense, you know, that his father had not done. He was looking for compensation. He was looking that, you know, my sister was wronged, you know, years ago. And you as a father who should have stepped in and done something, you didn't do anything. He was poisoned by his own bitterness that he allowed to grow inside of his heart. You know, you see this being played out in, you know, in many scenarios, in many settings. It happens in churches. Where, you know, the assistant pastor or, you know, the person who's serving in leadership they don't like what the pastor said, don't like, you know, they become very critical of the pastor. They become very critical of the leadership. You know, they're saying they're like this, they're like that. And, you know, they try to win the favor of the people and then church splits happen. Okay. You see this happen in companies, in workplaces where, you know, someone is upset with the boss and they try to, you know, catch co-workers and they try to build them up. Okay. And then they say, you know, let's push the boss out of the company incidents happen like this all the time. But the question, you know, that we need to understand is, you know, there is there is a spirit of Absalom that is very prevalent today. There is. There are people, you know, who are offended by the main person. They are offended by their fathers. They are offended by, you know, the people in authority. And they try to win favor towards themselves because of the offense and because of the bitterness that they've allowed to grow right through the whole process. But... Here's what what he says, you know, like the Hebrew writer says, let's not allow a root of bitterness to grow inside of us. And this is why it's important for us to understand. We need to constantly examine our hearts. We need to constantly examine and ask ourselves, Lord, you know, if that person has offended me in some way or the other, Am I still looking for a compensation? Am I still looking, you know, for a sense of justice? You know, I did all did all of these things, and why are they not coming back to me? I mean, I, I um, you know, I know a clinical counselor. Okay, he's a psychologist. He's a clinical counselor. He was telling me about one of his cases. Okay, in Mangal, where he was counseling one of these uh, one of these young uh, people. And um, they were constantly talking about, you know, all the offenses. They were very hurt with their parents, both the father and the mother. And, you know, this person was going on and on about how the father and the mother did this and said that and all of those things. And finally, you know, he, this counselor friend of mine, he asked that person, what do you want from your parents? And the, 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 you know, the person said very clearly, I want my parents to come and apologize, you know, for all the things that they have done to me. So, you know, believe this or not, okay, the counsellor knew the parents, called up the parents, the parents came, you know, to that meeting. Uh, much later, they arranged a meeting where the parents were there and, then the you know, the, the their child was there. And the parents said, you know what, we are sorry for everything that we have done. We are sorry for everything that we have spoken to you. And uh, the person, you know, was hearing it. Oh, they were very happy. Oh, okay, fine, you have apologised, all that is fine. You know, two months later, the person lands back at my friend's office, at uh, the counselling office okay saying that you know i still can't you know let go of everything that that my parents have done towards me you know let me let me let me put this okay let me let me say this okay how do you know if you have really forgiven somebody how do you know i'll tell you how you know if you have not forgiven somebody let me give you a small list all right if you find yourself in a place where you constantly keep rehearsing in your mind what you actually want to tell those people in case they bring up the hurt with you. You know what's true about you? It means that you still haven't forgiven that person. I don't know if you ever found yourself in a place where someone has hurt you and you know you keep looking, I don't know, You keep looking at the mirror, you keep looking at yourself or when you're just sitting simply in a place you keep telling yourself, you know, if they ever bring it up with me, I'll tell them like this, I'll tell them like that, I'll tell them like this. You know, if you're doing that, it shows that you've really not forgiven that person. Okay, if you, get this, if you're constantly talking to other people about it, even though the offense that was committed by that person was years ago and you still keep talking about it like it happened yesterday, You know what that means? You've still not forgiven that person. If it's still hurting you on the inside, every time you think about that incident, every time that incident is like a fresh memory that comes up to your mind, you know, you keep thinking about it and it still hurts you on the inside when you think about that particular incident or the particular words that have been spoken over you. It shows that you still haven't forgiven those people. If you find yourself in a place Where you keep justifying yourself for everything that you have done. Have you you found yourself in a place like that? If you justify, you know, for incidents probably that has happened, you know, 10-15 years back. shows that you still haven't forgiven that person. Now here's what we must remember. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. We just read that. It's not up to us to take matters into our own hands and say, I demand justice. Don't you think I deserve justice? You know, something that happened to me should not have happened to anybody. And it's true. When you look at it, you know, it's absolutely true, you know, in all of the statements that we make, when we make statements like that. But when we look to the Lord and when we say that God is my judge, I'm going to look to the Lord for justice. I'm going to look to the Lord, you know, for let Him take care of everything that has taken place. You know, even in that incident which I just mentioned about, you know, that that, that child seeking an apology from their parents. Their parents came and apologized, but still that person could not let go. You know what that shows? That shows that, you know, the compensation that you receive, you know, for the wrongs that you have done will not satisfy you. It will never satisfy you. It, in fact, you know, the people that we must really be dealing with when we are offended is not the people that have offended us, but the people that we must be dealing with when someone has offended us is ourselves because it is us who have been hurt not them and the hurts that we have inside of our hearts we need to come to a place where we're willing to forgive those who have hurt us and we're willing to release those people completely from the things that has actually happened again and again you know i mentioned this in week three when we looked at the love hate relationship one of the things that i've seen you know over my years of you know talking to a lot of people counseling a lot of people okay one of the areas where i see this really in depth is when the relationship between the father and the son or the daughter that relationship is completely in a fractured state and many times you know people don't admit it people don't say that you know i'm fine i have let go you know i don't have anything towards my parents i don't have anything towards my dad okay and we do know that okay man it makes sense you know what they're saying but the truth is if they're constantly rehearsing in their minds what they need to tell their parents you know are we thinking again and again about those hurts you know that day he made a statement like this and we keep you know you know what's the funny part some people can even remember the date can remember the time Very specially, this date you did this, this time you did this, you know, we were at this particular spot when you actually made the statement of I actually did this. I remember one of the girls, you know, who had come to our house and we were talking to her, you know, you could sense there was a lot of bitterness that was there on the inside. And I told her very clearly, I want you to take a sheet of paper and I want you to write down the list of names of people that you think has hurt you. You know how many number of people she had you know when she came back to us the second time she had over 135 people on that list of people who had hurt her she could remember every incident like it happened yesterday so we're talking about 135 and more incidents that took place in her life and i'm just saying you know maybe we don't we don't we don't think about these things we don't think about you know man am i holding on to unforgiveness other incidents that keeps coming into my mind about what happened you know probably maybe it happened years ago absalom held on to an offense for almost five to seven years after that incident took place i don't know i mean it doesn't mention about what happened to tamar it doesn't mention about you know the heart that tamar was going through or the problems that tamar was going through maybe tamar forgive you know amnon i don't know but one thing was very evident absalom did and what cost him a place and what caused him, you know, to be in the place of his most potential was because he carried that offence. He lost out on the things that could have actually become his. You know, even as we close today, I just want us to think for this one moment. Okay. And in fact, you know, the prayer that I'm praying, you know, for this message today is, you know, if there are still undealt offences in our hearts with anybody, It could be, you know, with our siblings. It could be with our parents. Okay. And sometimes, you know, we don't even realize that, okay, man, I'm carrying something against my parents. But, you know, what's most evident is the look at the fruit. Do you have trouble connecting with people? Do you have trouble, you know, building up strong relationships with people? Do you know why? It's because there is a strong root of bitterness. There is still, you know, there's a lot of healing that still needs to take place inside of your heart. And unless that takes place, it's going to be very difficult to build up close, stronger relationships with people. And here's what I want us to say. Roots of bitterness, if it's grown deep, yes, it's true, it's very difficult to pull it out. I'm not saying it can happen easily. But with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, it can still be uprooted. We don't have to allow those roots to grow in much more deeper. Don't, you know, for a moment, allow the enemy to deceive you in telling you that this has taken place too long i've been too hurt it's been so many years there's no way i can get healed from this whole offense you know that has happened in my heart that is not true the enemy cannot have victory over us jesus has given us the victory on the cross and he will give us the strength and he will heal us you know from the hurts that has been caused inside of our heart but are we willing to come to a place where we say i'm willing to forgive And I'm willing to release that person from my life for whatever they have done to me.